On 6.30 here on the Monday Crew, Chris Akonis, Jack Basaya, Dennis Geisler here with you as we are going around on this busy Monday after the first weekend of March Madness. We've got our first guest on the line right now, Jerry Carino, college basketball writer for the Asbury Park Press. And you know, Jerry, thank you for coming on. We've got a lot to talk about. Appreciate you coming on for a few minutes. Of course. I mean, this is March. That's what we do is we talk basketball in March. Yeah, and I wanted to start with, uh, from a Rutgers standpoint, uh, the sad news that uh, legendary head coach Tom Young uh, led Rutgers to a Final Four, uh, 67% win percentage at Rutgers, um, passed away. You had interviewed him uh, earlier this season. Uh, I guess just your your thoughts on his legacy and you know what, what he left for Rutgers basketball. I'll tell you something interesting, Chris, and that is I – I had spoken with Tom periodically throughout the years. I never met him, actually. But I spoke with him periodically. You know, I know he was he was thrilled when Eddie Jordan got the job because Eddie was his guy. Um, and uh, I kind of I hadn't spoken to him in a couple of years. I wanted to see what he thought of, uh, of what this team was doing this year. And I had a great conversation with him. We talked for like 45 minutes. He was still in, in the rehab center. He had had some heart and lung issues. And... Uh, you know, he talked about this year's team and how much he appreciated Steve Peichel and the style the team played and how fond he was of his time at Rutgers, but he really wanted to talk about why he left. You know, and so it was just something he wanted to discuss, and I, I let him, you know, say his bit about why he left. Because uh, he never had a losing season. Twelve seasons at Rutgers, never had a losing season. And when he came to Rutgers, the basketball program was good. You know, it was pretty good under Bill Foster and Dick Lloyd, but he elevated it to championship level. And so, you know, I wrote the article that I wrote, and I got a lot of good feedback. And then he, Tom called me uh, a few days later and said, I wanted to thank you uh, for, for explaining to everybody why I left. It has bothered me all these years that I felt like no one ever really understood why I went, left Rutgers to take the job at Old Dominion. You know, it was really gnawing at him. He, he said, in a sense, this isn't an exact quote, Chris, but he said, I want to I want to set the record straight while I still have time, and so um, I felt good about that at the time. I thought of it, you know, when I heard the sad news of his passing, uh, almost a year to the day that Joe Boylan died, who was his, you know, right hand assistant in those glory years for Rutgers, and it was it's sad. Uh, Tom lived a good life, and he was a great coach, and I think his legacy is. First of all, he's the best Rutgers basketball coach ever. Secondly, he guided Rutgers to what I think is the most significant achievement in its athletic department history, uh, and that is to make the to make the Final Four in 1976. I know that other teams have won championships, but you know when you talk about the stage, the stage of being in the Final Four in men's basketball, it, it, I think it blows away any other team accomplishment, uh, and. And uh, he did it with a team that was had style. I mean, you know, back then it was it was a little different with no social media, regionalized TV. But but boy, that Rutgers team, and it's before my time. I've seen the clips, so I've certainly read a lot about it and heard a lot about it. That team played a brand of basketball that people absolutely loved. Exciting, pressure the ball, run, push the pace. You know, I mean, they were scoring 90, 100 points a game. They had to play their games at Madison Square Garden because 
some of their games because so many people wanted to see them and couldn't get in the barn. You know, they built the rack. That team built what is now Jersey Mike's Arena. So, so uh, just a tremendous legacy. My hope is that is that he, the school does something for him. I'm sure they will. I just feel like like at Seton Hall, P.J. Colissimo is an iconic guy. You know, he's a legendary statuesque type figure. And Tom Young has never gotten that accord at Rutgers, even though he put in the same amount of years, won, you know, even more games, achieved one Final Four like P.J. did. He's never gotten that accord at Rutgers. And my hope is that – I was hoping that they'd do that while he was still alive, but obviously there wasn't much time. Uh, but I, my hope is that at some point they name something after him or do something significant in his honor to give him that Mount Rushmore status he deserves. Why do you think that's the case? Why don't you think he gets that sort of status that P.J. Colosimo gets at Seton Hall? So I, I would get, my only guess is that the, his exit, I think, uh, and that's kind of what was bothering him. You know, he left Rutgers to go to Old Dominion. I mean, P.J. left Seton Hall to go to the NBA. And so I think that left a bad taste in people's mouths. Uh, but uh, his reasons were valid. I mean, Rutgers declined to join the Big East. He, the TV time plummeted uh, as a result, and he was getting out recruited. Rutgers owned New York City. I mean, Rutgers recruited, recruited New York City better than anybody while Tom Young was there. And, you know, Dick Vitale, who, who was there before him in the regime before him with Dick Lloyd, they recruited New York City really well, and they couldn't do that anymore once the Big East took over the market. And so, I think there was some, you know, why would this guy leave for ODU, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, Rutgers then plummeted. I mean, Rutgers then went, when he left, Rutgers really, the program became terrible. Hard to hurry. So he, the house wasn't really in order. It wasn't really his fault. This Craig Littlepage was terrible. Uh, but, uh, so I guess those are the reasons why. I, you know, I don't know. It's a little before my time. But I hope that changes now. And with, through the lens of time, now we can appreciate what Tom Young achieved. Hey, Jerry, Jack Basaya here. Um, like you said, rest in peace to Tom Young. I mean, great coach for Rutgers. Um, possibly, I, I would I can't even say possibly, the greatest coach of Rutgers men's basketball history. On that there's note. No, there's, no, there's no question. There's no one even close. I mean, right. we all think highly of Steve Peisel and what he's done, but Tom Young has a Final Four batter. Like he, that team was 31-0. I mean, he's on he's top of the list until further notice. Absolutely, Jerry. And, uh, you know, transitioning the conversation over to the current iteration of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And, you know, obviously a really tough way to go out um, Wednesday night in Dayton against Notre Dame, a team in a Notre Dame team that almost was in the Sweet 16 um, as recently as last night. But tough way to go out. I wanted to hear your opinion first on the game. I believe you were there in Dayton for the game yeah, also, yeah. and then also, you know, your opinion on the season in general, if it was a success or not in your, or not in your eyes. Sure. Great questions. Uh, I was there, and, and I know you guys were there, and it, I thought it was just a fantastic game. Uh, it was what you want out of March Madness, right? Two teams, trading blows, um, exciting basketball, shot-making, uh, you know, lead changes, unpredictability, of course, two overtime speaks for itself. It was one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen in person. Uh, it was so exciting with the atmosphere. Rutgers fans were so well represented. Notre Dame fans too. And so, look, there's a lot of you could pinpoint a lot of reasons why Rutgers lost. They committed a lot of mistakes. Uh, obviously, their defense melted down, which had been a calling card all year. They had a late inbounds pass that was when they could have put the game on the ice box that they turned over. 
Uh, you know, they gave up an offensive rebound that ended their season for the second straight year. Uh, there, w- there was some isolation ball at the end that probably hurt them on offense. So you could all pinpoint all these things, why they lost. But to me, I, I prefer to say Notre Dame won the game. They took it and won it. And we saw how good they were. I mean, we all underestimated the ACC. They have three teams in the Sweet 16. Notre Dame very nearly became a fourth. They, they really handled Alabama. Now, you know, Alabama's point guard, Javon Quinley, got hurt. But they really handled Alabama. And they had Texas Tech on the ropes, which no one thought was possible. So Notre Dame was, was a lot better than we thought. Uh, I feel like they just they won the game more than Rutgers lost it. Although you can certainly you can certainly nitpick little things, and I do I do think Mike Gray had a master class in coaching. How basically Rutgers extended their defense to limit the three pointer, right? And then Gray said, "Okay, we won't shoot threes. We're going to just attack you inside, uh, attack your spread defense inside." And with the slip screens and the pick and rolls, they just did it, they handled it masterfully, you know. So I give tip the hat to them. I don't really think it diminished much of the season Rutgers had. It would have been nice to win an NCAA tournament game. Uh, obviously, this, it's, it's a lot better than going none and you know none and out. But uh, Rutgers, they had to make the tournament. Okay, you, you can't start the year proclaiming this is your best team and have all this experience and not make the tournament. It would have been a shame if these guys were in the NIT, even if they won it. You know, they had to go out in the tournament. So it was. I think it was a successful season. Uh, you can we can debate whether this year's team was better than last year's team. Sometimes there were stretches when it was, there were stretches when it wasn't. It was close. Last year's team had a much easier draw. I mean, Clemson really wasn't very good, um, and so there are differences there. But I do think it was a success. They gave you a lot of great moments. That four-game winning streak over ranked teams was historic. Uh, to be the number one ranked team in the rack on a half-court buzzer beater. So, I mean, they won some road games. You know, they did win a couple significant road games at Indiana, at Wisconsin. Uh, so I, I think it was a successful season. It was a good exclamation point on a great career. And, and the, the thing that struck me most about the whole thing was, you know, watching, watching Ron Harper, Geo Baker, and Kayla McConnell walk off the court at the end of that game, arms around each other's necks, and just in tears, distraught, but... But really, what an image of an era for Rutgers basketball. These guys, who you guys know, were not just terrific players, but so likable and such great representatives of the university to, um, you know, to go out together. It was sad they had to go out like that, but it was great to see them go out swinging on a big stage. And, and they, you, you know, they're going to be remembered super fondly. So if I had to put a bow on it, great game. Tip your hat to Notre Dame. And overall, I think a successful season for Rutgers that – that pretty much lived up to expectations. Could they have won another game? Would that, would that have been nice to advance a little bit? For sure. But it was a good season, and you're going to be talking about the memories from this season for a long, long time. Absolutely, Jeremy. I mean, you put a bow on it with Ron. Um, Ron, Gio, and Caleb, both phenomenal, all phenomenal players and even more phenomenal people. I mean, in the media room, they were phenomenal. I think you could second that as well. Um, sure. And, you know, going on – or. Sticking with Notre Dame, one thing I noticed about Notre Dame is that they played a completely different style than anything Rutgers was used to in the Big Ten. I mean, the closest comparison could be Iowa to what Notre Dame played like, but Iowa doesn't have the athletes that Notre Dame did. And we kind of saw in the Big Ten, you know, throughout the weekend, Wisconsin went down, Illinois went down, playing teams that aren't familiar to the Big Ten style. Do you think Rutgers kind of was a victim to – 
not play or playing a team that they're not used to uh, in the Big Ten? Do you think the Big Ten in general suffers from a problem of you know not playing the style that other conferences play? If that makes sense. Yeah, it's a, you know it's a good question. I mean, the results of the past two years, right? Eighteen teams in the tournament, uh, eighteen bids to the NCAA tournament, only three to the Sweet Sixteen. Those results would tend to scream that you know the conference is either overrated or they are they are not well prepared for to, for interleague play. You know the Big Ten also didn't do that great. They didn't do that all that well in their in the Big East crossover challenge. So yeah, it does. I think there is something to be said for that. You know Notre Dame with that five out attacking style. Um, you know much different than like the bruising, plotting inside meat grinder. Big Ten basketball, and yes, yes, I, I do think there's something to be said for that. Look, the Big Ten's a good league; it's super deep, but it's the results are what they are. I mean, you are what your record is, and the Big Ten's record the last two years has been lousy in the NCAA tournament. So there is probably something to be said for that, uh, for sure. And you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know how it gets fixed. Uh, it's a tough, it's a really deep, tangled question, but. Uh, Yes, it does. It does seem like the Big Ten was out athleticized in a lot of these games for sure. So, and that doesn't diminish, you know, what the what Rutgers did or what a lot of these Big Ten teams did. But it does show you how hard it is to advance in the NCAA tournament when you come out of your bubble and meet a stranger. And on that note, I want to shift gears a bit to another New Jersey basketball team that is really, you know, making noise, and that's the St. Peter's Peacocks, a team that. Uh, you know, went on that run to win the Metro Atlantic uh, Conference Tournament and now beating Kentucky and Murray State, two very good basketball teams to make it to the Sweet 16 for the first time in, in school history. Just, you know, I, I think you, more than you know, most people, knew how good of a program St. Peter's had become under Shane Holloway, but you know, what do you make of this run? Well, it's interesting because I've been following them pretty closely because of Shaheen, you know, Keaton Hall ties. And uh, and also, I like to look at the whole scope of New Jersey basketball. I consider it to be part of my job. And that's something I really enjoy is giving the mid-majors some coverage in the state. So I saw the progression of this team. It started out, you know, over the last two years or so, and this group has matured. They started out as just a really gritty, tough defensive team. And then this year, I noticed, you know, they started to really move the ball, pass the ball well, run a good offense. They run the same offense that Seton Hall runs that, that weave with the high ball screens, but they just run it a lot better. Uh, there's just more teamwork, more spacing, less devolving into ISO ball. So I noticed, I'm like, man, this team spaces and passes. They move the ball in the air very well. So then it was just they couldn't make shots, right? So they, were, they always could defend. They always held their own on rebounds. They play 10 guys, so they wear teams down. And playing 10 guys requires sacrifices. They don't play anybody over 25 minutes. There's some good players that spend some time on the bench. So it requires some sacrifice, and that's, that tells you something about the culture and the attitude of the program. But my, I, the, game, the first game I saw them this year in January when they beat Mammoth, I'm like, man, these guys move the ball well. They just, miss, they just miss shots. They don't shoot well. It's hard to get shooters to a place like St. Peter's. But I did notice they made almost all their free throws. So I'm like, there's some potential here. Right. So then the next, every subsequent time I saw them, they got a little better shooting the ball. And sometimes it's just contagious. You know, it's confidence. Like you've seen this with Rutgers. Rutgers has had games where the, the basket seems like it's 10 feet wide 
they've had games where it seems like it's it's an inch wide. And so St. Peter's just got the last piece to fall. The the ball dropping through the net, shooting the ball, and it's just become contagious with Doug Eddard leading the way from three. Uh, and Casey Ndefo, who is as good of a forward as anybody in the country, defensively, rebounding, watch, passing out of the post. So any team, when the shots fall, when the other pieces are in place, it's going to be dangerous. And the beauty of college basketball is that this is the guys are all one- and two-star recruits, okay? Nowhere recruits that people didn't want. But when they play the game hard and they play it together with a coach that really is, you know, can motivate but also scheme, which we saw Shaheen Holloway do with a matchup zone, for crying out loud, against Kentucky, that's hard to implement a matchup zone when you're a base man team. It's a much different concept. You don't see it much. Totally confused John Calipari, which is not, not super hard. But anyway... When you put it all together, that's magic. That's why college basketball is great. Like, you give a little guy a seat at the table, and, heck, that little guy's pretty good. So I did think St. Peter's was dangerous because of the way they defended and the way they shared the ball. I didn't see, of course, them beating Kentucky and being in the Sweet 16, but I'm not surprised that they really represented themselves well. And let's face it, in a state where, like, there's Rutgers fans and there's Seton Hall fans and they're at each other's throats, I think everybody can kind of get behind this team, which really makes it fun and special for for fans of every every uh, college, and certainly for people who cover college basketball in this region. And, and Shaheen Holloway was one of the rising stars in the mid-major coaching ranks uh, before this run, but now his name is you know one of the most uh, one of the hottest names in college basketball just with the run he's been able to put together. And oh, by the way, the team that he used to play for. Uh, just had an opening in, with the head coaching uh, spot with Kevin Willard taking the Maryland job. Right. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> you'd have to think that that's the shortest uh, coaching search in college basketball this offseason, no? Yeah, there'll be no there'll be no search firm. There'll be no national search. You know, Stephen Hall even put out the, the thing today. They, they didn't use the word national search. I mean, don't insult our intelligence. It's going to be, barring some great shots, he will be the next coach introduced a few days after the season, whenever the season ends. Uh, for, a, for a while now, Seton Hall had been eyeing him as a potential successor to Kevin Willard. He had to go run his own shop and prove that he could do it. And, you know, I think once he, once he, they won the MAC tournament title and he cut down that net, it really opened the door for him to come back. And now it's just like, it's serendipitous. I mean, Kevin leaves after 12 years and the baton's going to be handed to the, his right-hand man who helped him build a program, who is, was a favorite son already. It works out great. Uh, the Seton Hall, you know, it's continuity. Like, that's what success in the long term is about. It's about continuity. And Holloway's going to be a great fit. And I, I said this, I have said this to numerous people uh, of, in the administration at Seton Hall, and I've said it to fans. I'll say it to you guys, and I'll write this. If, if Shaheen Holloway does succeed like we think he can at Seton Hall, they will never have another coaching search for many years. This is a destination job for Holloway. When you're Seton Hall, that's very hard to do. Like Rutgers, for example, I think is the destination job for Steve Peichel. I just don't see him going anywhere else, uh, with the exception of maybe UConn, if it opened. It's not going to open anytime soon. So I, I think Steve Peichel could retire at Rutgers if he continues to succeed. Uh, you know, this, Rutgers has a chance to be a destination job because of the status of the Big Ten, the money, the facilities. Uh, Seton Hall has not really enjoyed that status at all. And 12 years is a long time for, for Kevin. He put in his dues, but it wasn't a destination job for him. I think it's a destination job for Shaheen Holloway. He could be the Ed Cooley 
of, of Seton Hall. And if you're Seton Hall, that's like the ultimate goal. It's not just to get a good coach, but to get someone who's going to be there. And so the stars are aligning for them. And it's great for New Jersey college basketball if Steve Peichel is at Rutgers for a long time establishing that program, which he's doing. And if Sahina Holloway does that at Seton Hall, it's really good for everybody in the state. And one more question I want to ask in terms of Seton Hall. Um, you know, because Kevin Willard leaves having, you know, he, he was at there for 12 seasons, moves on to Maryland, and it was able to take a program that was kind of faltering and, and give it a good amount of success. So what's your assessment of his performance overall at Seton Hall? And, you know, what, what do you think that means for the program going forward? He did a good job. Look, Kevin inherited a dumpster fire. It was a mess. Bobby Gonzalez really debased the program. Uh, it's just embarrassing, and not just the results on the court, which were middling to poor, but the results, all, all the crap off the court that took place back then. It was just real bad, okay? A lot of bridges have been burned. Kevin re- repaired those bridges. He restored the program as an NCAA tournament regular. And if you're Rutgers, if you're Seton Hall and Rutgers, and I'll put them both in the same sentence here, the bar should be making the NCAA tournament. You don't, don't be picked. Don't be pit and look at making the NCAA tournament every year as getting old. That doesn't get old, okay? You get in there and you have a shot and you see what breaks your way, but you got to get in there. That's the bar. So that's the bar for success at Seton Hall. Kevin met that bar. You don't want to be pit and run a guy out and then look where pit is now, right? They can't even get out of their own way. It's great. So Kevin restored a winning tradition. He, he, he mentored, you know, student athletes, players who – handle themselves really well, similar in a lot of ways to what Steve Peichel's group has done, okay? A little lower profile because they're not the state university, but, but similar. And that's all you really want. Like, the, the goal of a high major coach in any sport is to win consistently and to not embarrass the university or ideally make the university proud. And, like, Rutgers, Steve Peichel, and his players have done that. Kevin Willard has done that over a long haul at Seton Hall. So he leaves the program in good, in good shape. I don't know how he'll do it, Maryland. Different situation. Uh, you know, they, they, the bar is much higher there. The spotlight is much brighter. The pressure is, the pressure is much higher. So I, I know he likes to, Kevin likes to fly under the radar. Uh, it's not going to do that at Maryland, okay? So, you know, Kevin sort of he did his own thing at Seton Hall, and he's not going to be able to do that at Maryland. It's going to be a, a big spotlight. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people telling you what to do. Uh, you're not the king of the castle there like he was here. Much, much different situation. So I wish him well. I like him personally. I think he did a good job as a coach. And uh, I know that, you know, the the, uh, the Rutgers-Seaton Hall series, we had it had to kind of be, be pit, patched up when it almost faltered. Um, but, you know, that's going to continue indefinitely. And now Kevin gets to come back to the Jersey Mike Arena every year, which I'm sure he will be greeted very fondly when he does come back. <laughs> a little irony there. But he did a good job. And, uh, and he, he restored Seton Hall to prominence, or prominence as in, you know, a, a respectable place in the, in the hardwood ecosystem. All right, and last question from us. Uh, on the other side of that uh, Sweet 16 East Regional is UCLA and Miles Johnson making his first uh, trip, his first game back on the East Coast since transferring away from Rutgers. Uh, what does that, like, mean for him, and uh, how much do you think he'll see the floor? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really intriguing in the East Regional, right? So you have you have you have, you have St. Peter's playing Purdue, which is a team we all know well from the Big Ten. I thought they were the best Big Ten team all year long, and so we know them. We know St. Peter's, and then 
UCLA, we know a player on UCLA really, really well, Miles Johnson, who was, to me, you know, one of the building blocks of, of the renaissance of Rutgers basketball under Steve Peichel. Terrific defensive center, uh, great representative of the school and the program, interning at IBM during basketball season, launching a nonprofit initiative to help engineers of color, uh, just, uh, just everything you would want as a representative of your school. I think Rutgers fans should not begrudge him taking his grad transfer a year back home in Southern California, uh, taking a crack at a legacy program like UCLA. But the trade-off for that is, you know, at UCLA, he's just a part. You know, he's just a part of the machine. He's a rotation piece, a backup center. And at Rutgers, he, you know, he, was, he was the main guy inside. So he did sacrifice that. Uh, so I don't know how much he's going to see the court. He hasn't, he hasn't really played a ton. He, he's playing in every game. But he's just filling in, eating some minutes, you know, protecting the rim, rebounding. He's not really asked to do much. Uh, you know, obviously he's a good program guy. He's not going to foul anybody up over there. But, you know, I don't know how much we'll see of him. Depends on the matchup. North Carolina obviously has some great athletes inside. They're going to need him to give some minutes and hold down the fort some. But that's his job. He's a hold-the-fort guy. Uh, it will be fun to see him back east. You know, I haven't seen him play in person at all this year. I've seen him on TV a couple times. But I think Rutgers fans mostly wish him well. And if he gets to the Final Four, it'll be a great, it'll be a good story for him. And, uh, and that'll be fun. But, yeah, that's, that's something a little, a little subplot to keep an eye on. And it really, UCLA, North Carolina, should be a great game. There's a lot of, there's a lot of physical, you know, accomplished athletes in that game. So that should be fun. All right, Jerry, going to let you go. Really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here on The Crew. Uh, always a fun time talking and hope to talk to you again soon. It was a great season, guys. Thanks for thinking to me. Uh, congratulations on the great work you've done, you know, chronicling this historic run for Rutgers. And uh, I hope to see you out there again soon. All right. Appreciate it, Jerry. Have a good night. Take care.